Both of our scriptures, again, as they have each Sunday in Advent, are from the lectionary, and, and they have all pointed towards and built together this sermon series called The Time Is Now. Each week we've looked at uh, what time is it? What, what, is the, what does now call forth? And we started the Advent series looking at the it's a time for tacky Christmas sweaters. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at how it's a time to sing the 12 days of Christmas off-key and together. Last week, we looked at, briefly at how it's a time to turn the Christmas tree upside down. This week, it is a time for confounding Christmas cards. First, God's Word from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he'd resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. January 1st, 2005, I was at the game. Rose Bowl, located all of less than a mile from the seminary housing where we lived at that time. Anyone know the game I'm talking about? University of Southern California verse. The Texas Longhorn football team. There you go. <laughs> Proclaiming it loud and proud. Michelle's parents are UT alum. They made sure they and their three daughters and their new son-in-law were at the game. Now, we didn't know that what we were showing up to was this side of California, considered the greatest college football game of all time. The one, you know, Vince Young runs into the end zone at the end, and, they, and then they win the game. And, but we knew enough before the game to recognize this big game, unique opportunity, all the family together, let's get a picture out in front of the stadium. And you better believe, 11 months later, that was the home family Christmas card going out unto all nations to proclaim we were there. <laughs> Except... For reasons still not entirely understood to this day, all of us were faithfully wearing the burnt orange. My mother-in-law was in a ribbed sweater, light blue, with dark blue jeans. And for that moment, what with what it meant and what it was all about, it just, it was a strange choice. It was, you ever had the perfect picture to send, to frame, to show? Except... This side of Emperor Caesar in the Roman Empire, 
the coming of the Messiah was basically the event toward which all the Jewish people looked forward to, longed for. This Messiah who would be a military and political powerhouse and overcome the oppressiveness of Rome and anything that was against God's will. Listen again how how some of this longing for this moment is declared in, in Scripture. Rejoice greatly. Behold, your king is coming. Zechariah prophesies. Or the famous one from Isaiah about a child. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So when we hear from Matthew at the outset of our passage this morning, now the birth of the Messiah took place this way. We cue up the cameras because... This is the event. These are the people that were part of it. This is the place it took. And we kind of have a, a, a picture of what it's going to look like given the, 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 the prophecies. But pretty quickly we realize something about the picture is off. Not only is this Messiah story unfolding among two peasants in a completely under-the-radar part of the oppressive Roman Empire... Mary's pregnant, it sure looks like adultery, punishable by stoning, according to the law, which means Joseph, of course, is facing two bad options. Uh, Demand the vindication of his family name, expose Mary for her wrong, and let the law do what the law does, or quietly divorce her, which is the game plan. You heard, Joseph is going to quietly divorce her. So, so we're, we're queued up to have the perfect picture coming together, but, it, but it's like as soon as we get ready for it, a, a sudden dark storm descends in the backdrop of, of, of the photo. And, and then these unlikely main characters come to the foreground of the photo, and they're wrapped in what looks like some pretty ugly sin, some bad options, and an impending break. This is not the photo that the, the people of God are looking to send forth to the world to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. At the same time, it is a photo that sounds a lot like life sometimes. I, we know something of the gathering storm among the nations, the shifts and sways of climate change, the political turmoil. And then in the foreground, individually and corporately in this season, a good many of us know what it's like to have the Joseph two bad options. Maybe not Joseph's exact predicament, but, but bad and worse. Keep pushing through the pain or risk the uncertain surgery. Don't pay the bills or do pay the bills and go further in debt. Stay in the bad situation, the bad job, the bad relationship, or don't and risk a really scary unknown. Forgive and and get trampled. Don't forgive and get eaten within. Sustain the war effort or, or, or pull back and risk yet further violence. Support the very far from ideal candidate or or don't and risk the party platform. In our own ways, I think we can imagine what it would look like to take a photo of an impending storm, a difficult background, and at the foreground, messy options, messy people, messy 
things. I will tell you, we decided not to send the UT football photo as our Christmas card until we photoshopped my mother-in-law's <laughs> light blue sweater with burnt orange. No way we were sending that thing out without the right look, the right way for the greatest game of all time. Joseph plans to quietly divorce Mary. That's about as safe face Photoshop a move as you can do in the ancient world with this situation. Make it kind of look like it never happened. And the truth is, when we are confronted with the impending storms of our lives and some of the really hard realities that draw forth a sense of shame or anxiety and all the rest, I think a lot of us kind of like the Photoshop option. As best we know how, let's dress this thing up. Let's dress up the social media post. Let's dress up our language, our yard, our decor, our church. Whatever needs to come together to make it clear that everything's fine, everything's good, everything's pleasant, nothing happened, nothing's happening, we're good. If the story of God coming into the world makes anything clear, it's a story that has nothing to do with appearances. God shows up in a world with active oppression, growing division, Great suffering among two poor people who are stuck in shame, impending judgment, and awful options. Want to see God? Look through the photos from this past year and also over the course of your lifetime that capture the wounded moments, the regretful moments, the broken moments, the ones, honestly, you'd never send out. That's where love goes. That's where love is born. That's where love lives. That's the proclamation of this non-postcard-worthy story. Perhaps rightly we ask, yeah? Where? Given what's on my heart right now, where is love being born in this thing I'd never send out? An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son. You're to call him Jesus. He will forgive the people of their sins. Which is to say, there, there will be no stoning of Mary. There will be no divorcing of Mary. I've got a third option that was not on your radar. Take Mary as your wife. And yes, because she is pregnant and you two have not had sex, this is going to look to all appearances quite unholy cause, no small amount of conversation, questions, shunning. But this seemingly unholy decision is the birthplace of God's arrival. I find it no accident Joseph is shown this unlikely option while dreaming. When the body sleeps, right, the brain is actually incredibly active, but the mind and the body, the guard come entirely down. 
We're open in ways we rarely let ourselves be open in the waking hours unless we can slow and quiet in prayer. In fact, I think it's no accident that the amount of times in Scripture that dreams are the conduits of God's voice, those unguarded spaces. No accident in Scripture the amount of times Jesus goes off to pray, those unguarded spaces. You know, not long ago, I was talking with someone who had recently retired, and, and they said a lot of people were, were asking uh, this person, so what are you doing now? And we can't help ourselves, right? Because the basic narrative is either you're working or raising children, or you're, you're doing the next thing. You're doing this, or you're doing that. There's no not doing. And this person said, you know what? I'm learning to be okay with being. I'm doing some things, but mainly trying to listen for what's next from God. This person went on to say that this is a big learning curve for them, but they're really learning about trying not to rush and push the next thing. But the word this person kept coming back to was trying to learn what it meant to receive. As we sit amid some of the photos we'd never send, I wonder if we dare hold enough space in our hearts, our quiet, our prayers, our dreams, to receive a surprising word unto our soul. A word from God with direction or insight or a truth that wasn't previously on the radar, quite frankly. And what if what we heard at first did not seem obviously sensible or easy, if in fact it sounded almost unholy? Barbara Brown Taylor, she writes about this point at one point about hearing God call her in a surprising direction around a certain decision, and and she, she summarizes the experience this way. This is something I can't not do. For reasons I'm unable to explain to anyone else and don't fully understand myself, but are nonetheless compelling. Take Mary as your wife, inexplicable, compelling. Uh, amid all the sometimes bad and worse options we live with, have you ever stepped forward in a way that, that felt really largely inexplicable, but, but, but Jesus-inspired compelling? Have you, ever, have you ever known that movement? Ways of stepping that perhaps to some outsiders looked a bit unholy. Honestly, it seems to me in our day and age to follow the way of Jesus... Uh, does, to some vantage points, look like an unholy thing. Right In a society where it seems like it's very important to keep pure the ideology, the people, the group, it can seem an unholy thing to try and, and, and befriend someone from another part, to love an enemy, to choose Jesus over and against and above any partisan allegiance. In a society that, that so values the grind of hard work, it can seem an unholy, impure thing to insist on a ceasing of one day in seven. 
in a society that at times prefers a polite avoidance of some things, and at other times prefers, it seems, a pull off the gloves and just make some sucker punches way of doing things. Seeking to speak the truth in love can seem an unholy, impure thing. Uh, what, what would you add? What does it look like to walk in the sometimes not fully explicable but compelling way of Jesus in this time amidst the decisions we navigate? This, I believe, is a season for the church to send confounding Christmas cards, which is to say, when the world gets a picture of our lives individually and collectively, no need to Photoshop out the brokenness, the sin, the impending storms. Because really, we want to be clear. We need to be clear. We believe most fundamentally that is where God shows up. In the foreboding, among the wrong people, in the sin itself. That's where love is born. That's where love lives. And if from time to time some of God's own body on earth shows forth that same kind of surprising love amid the foreboding clouds and, and the wrong people and among the wrong places. Perhaps some around us will open their mail and, and look at the card of our life and say, well, would you look at that? They're at the only game that matters. And for reasons I can't quite put into words, I'd like to be there next year, too. Amen.